We all have ancestors in the faith. We all have ancestors in general, but we all have ancestors in the faith. People who have shown their love for God and for us by leading us to Jesus. In a recent small group discussion about where faith began, one participant said that she and her family went to church when she was a child, but Christianity was not lived out in her home. Another said that a woman whose name that she can't even remember, who lived nearby, took her and her sister to church. She does remember, though, being the object of teasing in a family where no one else went to church. These are challenges. But think, where did faith in Christ begin in you? Does the face or the name of a person come to mind? A Sunday school teacher or a neighbor? Or maybe like Timothy, your grandmother or mother introduced you to faith and to Jesus. The writer of 2 Timothy purportedly is Paul, but could be somebody writing in his name. He's encouraging this young pastor, Timothy, to carry on with the torch of faith which they had received from their ancestors. A man who had been married for many years decided to show his wife how much he loved her. And so before going home from work, he stopped by the gym, he showered, he shaved, he put on some choice cologne, and bought her a bouquet of flowers. And he went to the front door and he knocked. His wife answered the door and she said, Oh, no. This has been a terrible day. First, I had to take our son to the emergency room and get stitches in his leg. Then your mother called and said she's coming for two weeks. Then the hose on the washing machine broke and now you come home drunk. In relationships, it's, it's hard to sustain the passion and the excitement and awe that we feel in the beginning stages. And the same is true in our relationship with Christ. Can you remember that time when you first realized who Christ was and what Christ had done for you? That excitement, that awe, that passion... The flames burned high when our relationship with Jesus was new. But over the years, our faith may have settled down to calm embers that pop now and then, but otherwise do not give much light. To Timothy and to us, the writer of this letter says, rekindle the gift of God that is within you. Rekindle the gift of God that is within you. What do you see when you think of the word rekindle? Celtic Christians would bank their fires at night. They would cover them with ashes to restrict the airflow. They'd move the logs together so they would burn more slowly. And then in the morning, they would knock off the ashes and they'd separate the logs a little bit so the air can move in. And then they might fan them back into flame to heat the home, to cook the meals. As they did so, they prayed this blessing of the kindling. 
Listen to how they would use the rekindling of the fire to invite God to rekindle godly attributes in their hearts. I will kindle my fire this morning in presence of the holy angels of heaven, in presence of Ariel of the loveliest form, in presence of Uriel of the myriad charms, without malice, without jealousy, without envy, without fear, without terror of anyone under the sun, but the Holy Son of God to shield me. God, kindle thou in my heart within a flame of love to my neighbor, to my foe, to my friend, to my kindred all, to the brave, to the knave, to the thrall. O son of the loveliest Mary, from the lowliest thing that liveth to the name that is highest of all. Rekindle the gift of God that is within you. Fan the flames of the gift of God within you. And the gift of God is not fear. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. The writer continues, Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Grasp the richness of what the writer is saying in these three verses. Look at all the gems in this treasure box. God has given us power, love, self-discipline, a testimony of faith, more power, salvation, and a holy calling that relies not on anything we can do, but solely on God's purpose for us and grace for us. This is a treasure Did we not just hear an anthem about treasure? It's a treasure worth guarding. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported that a rock hound named Rob Cutshaw, who owned a little roadside shop outside Andrews, North Carolina, would um, hunt for rocks. And like many in the trade, he, he knew what looked good, but he wasn't into the appraising of rocks. He left that to other people. And once they said that Cutshaw found a rock he described as purdy and big. And he tried unsuccessfully to sell the specimen. He had put it up on the shelf in his shop, but nobody bought it. And so eventually he kept the rock under his bed or in a closet. He guessed that the rock could bring as much as $500, but he would have taken less if something urgent came up, like paying his power bill. That's how close he came to hawking for a few hundred dollars what turned out to be an incredibly large and valuable sapphire worth, I don't know, at that point, almost $3 million dollars. What sort of treasures are we hiding? We too may be unsure of the treasures that we have. 
And the writer of 2 Timothy tells us to guard the treasure. He's talking about faith. Guard the treasure. But the caveat is that we not guard it so closely that it stays hidden. There's always tension between how much we guard and how much we mold the message of faith to our culture. For for instance, yesterday at Highland Park, a blessing of the animals was held. Some people think of that as sacrilegious, while others find a greater intimacy with God through their pet than they could ever get through a human. What do we guard and what do we mold? A few months ago, after we shared the Lord's Supper, some of you found great meaning in taking the leftover bread and juice outside to share with people on the sidewalk, while others felt that that made a mockery of something very solemn. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. That's the last verse in today's passage. Guard the good treasure but not too tightly. Because the Holy Spirit can help us to know what we can guard and what we can mold. The Holy Spirit has given us a gift of power and calls us with a holy calling to fan into flame the love we have experienced from Christ and then to share it with others. This day, World Communion Sunday, millions of Christians around the world have already celebrated the Lord's Supper. Millions of Christians are preparing to do it right now, and millions more will celebrate throughout the rest of the day. They also are depending on God's power and love and self-discipline, not to gather around the table. Once they're in the place of worship and they're gathered around the bread and the cup, it's not so bad. But what it means to us is that there is sacrifice and suffering involved. The writer to Timothy knew it. He says, don't be ashamed of the suffering. Take it on. You have a holy calling. A holy calling. Each of you has a gift from God and a holy calling. This is a treasure. What will you do with it? Will you guard it and put it in a closet or under a bed? Or will you bring it out and show it off to someone and let others see that gem sparkle and see God through it? One of the interesting things about that sapphire that Rob Cutshaw discovered is that when he finally had somebody to cut the stone, there was a pattern within it in the Star of David, the six-pointed star that our Jewish brothers and sisters use. I think about that for us as we are the gems that God has created, and we have a special design within us. We might call it the cross, Or we might just think of it as the particular gift that God has given to us. What will we do with that? Will we guard it? Or will we show it? Let's pray together.
Lord our God, you fan the flames of the Holy Spirit into our lives. And so we pray that we would sense the empowerment of your Spirit. You have shared the gift of Christ to us. And now you call us to share the gift of Christ to a world in need of healthy power and love and grace. Help us to hear your holy calling. Help us to listen and watch for the power of your spirit at work. And help that to deepen our faith so that we can show others as well. We thank you, O God, for clothing us with beauty and with joy. As we gather around your table, guide us again to hear your call to us. In the name of our Lord Christ. Amen.